on today's episode. On a gathering storm comes a tall, handsome man in a dusty black coat with a red right hand. Got no money? Got no car? No self-respect? Do you feel like an insect? Well, don't you worry, buddy, because here comes the pot! Hello and welcome to The Song Will Go On, the podcast inspired by the songs, inspired by the motion pictures. Today, it's our second Needle Drop episode and we're covering Red Right Hand by Nick Cave and the Bat Seeds, as heard in the 1996 horror thriller Scream. I'm Paolo Grassini and joining me She's a ghost, she's a god, she's a woman, she's a guru, she's our co-host, <laughs> it's Sofia Matano. Wow, you always come up with such an amazing introduction that I don't know if I can live up to. <laughs> Only for the best, Sophie. Yeah. Only for the best. You inspire such introductions. Oh my goodness, thank you. And today, yes, we're celebrating Halloween. Happy Halloween, everyone. If all goes well, this episode you'll be listening to on Halloween day. It'll drop on Halloween. And what better way to do so than to cover Red Right Hand by Nick Cave and the Bat Seeds. A needle drop, like I said, from 1996 film Scream. And we're changing things up a little bit with our needle drop episodes. We're diving straight into our song setup, and we're going to deep dive into Red Right Hand. Of course, we'll talk a bit about the movie as we go along, but we have revamped our answerable questions segment. <laughs> we have some classic questions like favorite lyrics, uh, favorite seven seconds, but we have some new ones like Remix 2.0. We each pick an alternative song that could be used as a needle drop in the movie scene. Or in my case, I can't decide, so bring three songs. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, here's another new one, Tomato Tomato. We take a look at one fresh and one rotten review on Rotten Tomatoes and pick a side. And a couple more new ones you'll have to keep listening to hear. Uh, and of course, at the end, we have our YouTube comments where we check in and see what the people of the internet have to say about this song. There's always opinions on the internet. It's really easy to find that. <laughs> exactly. So, Paolo, in our first Needle Drop episode, it was my pick. Which and I have to say, tremendous pick. That was such a fun episode to make. The research part of it was so... Yeah, there were a lot of hidden gems to be found. I didn't realize we would go down this rabbit hole. But if you want to go back and listen to that, I picked Della by Johnny Clegg from George of the Jungle. Yeah, we and... got some good feedback from that episode. Yeah, that's amazing. And Paolo... Can you my stack pick. up to my amazing first pick? Why did you pick Red Right Hand from Scream? Well, it's Halloween, and I was just thinking Halloween needle drop. Uh-huh. I have to say that one of the best movie experiences I've had in my life in theater is Scream 1. Mm, okay. I remember watching it and probably was too young for that, but it was one of my first experiences where you have this sensation that the theater is sold out. It's sold mm -hmm. out. Like even the front seats that you always go to the theater and be like, who in the world would sit there? Yeah. This is the night that those seats get used. <laughs> and you're like, oh my God, people actually bought for that. So jam-packed, the movie firing all cylinders is working. You can hear a needle drop. The suspense, everyone is just like hanging mm -hmm. to every moment in the film. And I just remember being in that moment aware of it. So I, I love Scream. I love the original film. It's a masterpiece for me. And this song is featured on the movie. And it's a really interesting relationship with the movie, which we'll go to. But it's not it's not the traditional need or drop, I, I think so. And we'll talk a little bit, a little bit about that because it's not how it's used in the film. It's more about the relationship with this franchise now that we have mm -hmm. five Scream movies. I thought that was interesting. It also... It's just a banger of a song. <laughs> what can I say? Having said that, Self, I got to ask you a question. Okay. Are you ready to walk across the edge of town? Go across the tracks? If you mean, am I ready to do our song setup? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. By all means, Selfie, set up that song for us. All right. 
Red Right Hand is a song released in 1994 by Australian rock band Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, which is a great band name, by the way. Yes, I mean, I wish I was, I wish it would have came up when I was brainstorming band names in high school. Yeah, Paolo Grassini and the Bad Seeds. (laughs) Uh, The song is written by Nick Cave, Mick Harvey, and Thomas Wilder. It's a single from their eighth studio album, Let Love In. The song is considered one of Nick Cave's most famous songs, largely in part from it being featured in the Scream franchise. And it also serves as the theme song to the British crime drama series Peaky Blinders, which ran from 2013 to 2022. Which means this is a cash cow for Nick Cave. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. And it's used in Peaky Blinders inspired a ton of covers. We have it from the Arctic Monkeys, Iggy Pop and Jarvis Cocker and Snoop Dogg, among others. In a red right hand. Hand. Yeah. Yeah. Red right hand. 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 Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All of those are so distinctive. (laughs) I love it. Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds is led by frontman Nick Cave. Who else? Uh, The band was formed in 1983 and has been described as one of the most original and celebrated bands of the post-punk and alternative rock eras in the 80s and onward. Nick Cave's musical influence is drawn from the American South, and despite not being from that part of the world, the band has been labeled under the Southern Gothic genre. Others have also called them Gothic Rock and Gothic Folk, so take your pick. The red right hand in the song comes from John Milton's poem Paradise Lost and refers to the vengeful hand of God. The song's lyrics describe a mysterious demon-like figure who stalks a dark part of town. In preparation for the song, Cave filled an entire notebook with descriptions, maps, and sketches of this imaginary town, though not much of it actually ended up making it into the lyrics. But it made it way to Peaky Blinders. Yeah, right. (laughs) Interestingly, the phrase red right hand appears in another one of Cave's songs called Song of Joy from the 1996 album Murder Ballads. Quotes John Milton on the walls and the victim's blood. In my house, he wrote his red right hand. Let's get to our needle drop. In Scream, Red Right Hand plays when the town of Woodsboro is closing up and the streets are emptying for the nightly curfew that has been imposed in the wake of the killings. Characters Sydney, Dewey, and Tatum discuss which actress would play Sydney if the Woodsboro murders were ever made into a horror movie. Finds red right hand. Sure is quiet. This place is the town that dreaded sundown. Yeah, I saw that movie. It's about a killer in Texas, huh? Hey, so just think, if they make a movie about you, who's gonna play you? I shudder to think. I see you as a young Meg Ryan myself. Thanks, Dewey, with my luck, they cast Tori Spelling. Red Right Hand became a staple of the Scream franchise, as you mentioned, Paolo. It has appeared in all Scream movies except one. Trivia question, which Scream left it out? Do you know? Yes. You do? Confidently? Yeah. All right. Which one? Number four. Final answer? Yeah. You're right. It was four. I don't know why they gave up the tradition then, uh, but at any rate, uh, a different version of Red Right Hand appears in all the other movies. I read that it had to do something with copyright. Like, it wasn't creative reasons. Mm. I also read half as internet's research that uh, Screen 4 trailer got leaked at one point and featured the song. Yeah. But then they couldn't clear it in time for when the film came out and the new trailer. So it got scrapped. But it was just sort of like legal, whatever, legal, whatever happened because they were also remastering the song at that time. So we could have easily had on all four on all five screen movies a song. But unfortunately, it's in so many movies as a needle drop and Peaky Blinders as a theme song. And we will talk about all those later on but i find it hard to believe that they were being stingy we were about like, sorry you were like big... one of yeah. 50 ask about this yeah. song we we're busy clearing the other ones yeah. so at any rate each scream that has the song has a different version of red right hand so we will get to those versions in our discussion but first i want to hear about your connection to this song we know that you picked scream but did you also pick the song as well so, Sophie, I'm about to say something that might shock you. Okay, I'm, I'm ready. 
This song might be in my top 10 songs of all time. Wow. Ever since I heard it in Scream, huh. it stayed with me one way or another. And my connection to it has only grown deeper. Having said that, hmm. for reasons beyond my comprehension, I haven't explored Nick Cave and the Batsies as much as I should have. Wow. I became a fan of Nick Cave through his film score work first. Mm, okay. Which is funny. It It's the same thing that happened with Trent Reznor. And Danny Elfman. And I'm like, I'm I'm now the guy in 2022 walking around like, hey guys, Nine Inch Nails, yeah. cool band. <laughs> Ever heard of them? Like, yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> Give me 2023. Now, after this episode, I'm going to start deep diving into Nick Cave and the Batsies. And okay. I'm going to be going, hey guys, have you heard this band, Nick Cave and the Batsies? They're pretty good. Yeah. I, I keep saying that's what I love about the podcast. It gives us a chance to put a spotlight on an artist and go beyond the surface. And mm-hmm. hopefully people listening to us can do that too. So... I am curious, though, because mm-hmm. I know you love Scream. I do. It's one of your favorite movies. It is. Which, by the way, it did not influence why I picked this song. <laughs> You're not just trying to no. butter me up? Okay. No, no, no. I am very much selfish when it comes to picking songs. <laughs> okay. And I'll pick something. But I don't know about your connection to Red Right Hand. Mm-hmm. Does your love extend to the song, too? My appreciation for it has definitely grown since really... You picked this as our needle drop and we started doing research. Yeah, that's what the podcast is for. You know, that's what we love about it. When you said, oh, yeah, that that song that's in all the Scream movies. I had to think for a second (laughs) because this this needle drop is really buried. It's pretty brief in the movie, in the scene that it's in. And it's not really a showstopper moment. It's kind of coming under some dialogue. So I don't even really get to figure out what the lyrics are from the movie. So it really took me listening to it on its own to appreciate the song. That's a curious thing about that. I thought this would be a good episode because this technically isn't a great needle drop in the sense that it's not tied to like an iconic scene where you're like, oh my God, like cat people with English Uh or You're like that scene and that moment. This isn't that type. It's something really weird where it's like tied to the identity, tone and feel of you mentioned not just in the 1996 Scream film, but the entire franchise now. It's it's a weird occasion where it's appeared in four of the five films of the franchise. Mm-hmm. In the 1996 film, it honestly appears in some sort of like transition moment. Like we see scenes of the town closing due to like this mandatory curfew that they put on. And yep. it kind of feels like act two is over. We're moving to act three, the night is falling and the night of the party yeah. of and sort of this event where like all the storylines are going to clash is kind of like it's building you up a little bit. But then the dialogue comes in and I feel like it kind of squashes the song a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the power of the song that only a couple of seconds <laughs> can do so much work in setting a tone, a mood. That's why it's continued to be part of the franchise, because it's just like this song with five seconds mm-hmm. can communicate a tone, a mood, feelings, themes to you instantly. I mean, that's why it's been the Peaky Blinders theme song, mm-hmm. the main theme for the opening, which again, that's what what do you want from a TV show, a theme? You want to communicate a lot of things fast. Yeah. So we'll get to that, by the way. Mm-hmm. You you Peaky fans, the Peaky fans listening to these. The, the Peakers. Is yeah, that the what peakers. they're called? <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned that there's versions for each of the franchise, right. which is really, really cool. I said, actually, Scream 5 doesn't have a unique version to it except it's actually might be the best use of the song so far Mm -hmm. but we'll get to that scream 2 we don't get the original we get a remix but none other than dj spooky you're right (laughs) we do (laughs) yeah where secrets lie the port of fires and the humming wild demand you know you're never coming I don't know how I feel about this version. Like I like it's it's not bad. It's not great. It's a little bit more sort of hip hop ish. Yeah. It, so is D- that a stretch? Because no, uh, DJ Spooky is an experimental hip hop artist, and for me, this song is a bit of an acquired taste. I'm not sure if I've acquired it yet. Uh, there's still time. The jury is uh, still out on this one. I, I like it. I like it. I like it in theory. 
And I think that the genre is really cool. I think my ear will catch up with my mind eventually. I like it more than Snoop Dogg's if we're going yeah. <laughs> versions. Uh, maybe. Yeah, oh, you like maybe that? you're you like right. That. Hand, hand, yeah, yeah, hand. Stacks of green paper. What? Yeah, Money. Say what? in his yeah. red, right, right, So here's where things get really cool in that relationship with this franchise. Scream 3, and this is, by the way, news to me on the research, mm. even though I'm a really big fan of this song. Scream 3 apparently contains a sequel to this song. Like, Nick Cave wrote, like, another version that's kind of meant to be, like, a sequel. Yeah, so it has some different lyrics. So, like, I was just thinking, like, oh, does this count as an original song for Scream 3? Like, could this be a normal episode oh, yeah, instead yeah. of a needle drop? But oh, yeah. we're, we're talking about it here. It could, but yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. But it, it has some really cool arrangements. And I have to say, out of everything that we'll hear of other versions or cover, this might be maybe my second spot. It's really unique here. Just with his red right hand. Ah, those strings, Sophie. It's a little Bond, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I could, this is a big parenthesis, but this, I didn't include this on my show notes, but I came across like a dancing competition in the UK. Oh. And they use this as a tango performance. Love that. Yeah. And obviously they, being UK, it was like Peaky Blinders theme. So, uh -huh. so they dress in that period, but they did the tango and I was like. No, I, I want the Scream 3 routine. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Give me the Scream 3 routine. Like you mentioned, Scream 4 wasn't used, but here's something really cool. It gets used in Scream 5, which mm -hmm. we recently actually saw. Here's a really half-baked theory. This is so early on the episode, and here we are, Paolo's half-baked theory. I'm ready. Not even half-baked, <laughs> just like cold sitting on the stew. Scream 2 is only on the soundtrack. Scream 3 is on the end credits. And we mentioned Scream 1 is like in this sort of transition montage. Yeah. But Scream 5 actually gets featured during a murder scene. Right. It has the character of Ghostface wiping the blade with his yeah, right I, hand. Yeah, that iconic white Yeah, that iconic what? But they synchronize it with uh -huh. red right hand. Yeah. And I wonder if that's something that like the fan base sort of associated the, you know, because red right hand has many meanings. Uh-huh. But I imagine as a Scream fan, you might think, that's the red, what red right hand means for us. It means like right. the, the blood soaked hand. Yeah. And then without any spoilers on the new Scream on Scream 5, that movie has to do a lot about fandom. Right. Has themes about fandom and how fans should dictate things. So is that sort of like a meta commentary on fandom affecting not just the plot of the film, but also how the red right hand gets used on that film? I think it's entirely purposeful. Yeah. I think it's really cool how the use of the song has changed as the movies go on. Like we said in that initial scene in the original Scream, first we're hearing it when we're off of our protagonist, we're off of any characters, and we're just watching the, the town close down. And I feel like maybe it was chosen for that because it's a little Western sounding and watching the town clear out kind of made me think of like, oh, the bad cowboy has come yes. to town yeah. and we're closing down the saloon, you know? So I, I think that thematically it worked in the music. And even though it also worked in the lyrics too, we don't get to hear the lyrics. And now by the time we get to Scream 2022, which we're calling Scream 5, the lyrics are being used in this version of the song to work with what's being on screen. It's so almost it's like it's really upgraded. Cool. It's upgraded. Yeah. It's come, yeah. It's funny you mentioned about the Western theme because now thinking about it. So I love the score for Scream. I think it's like one, mm -hmm. one of my favorite horror scores. And it has like some really good themes. The Dewey theme is one of my favorite themes from the score. Mm. And it's really Sheriff Cowboy. It's like right. that iconic theme from Scream. You hear like. That is like the same language as yeah. Red Right Hand. So it's just definitely. By the way, I'm really bummed out that. I wasn't familiar with the Scream 3 versions until now. I mean, I'll probably keep hearing it now. Mm -hmm. But I blame What If by Creed. That's what I remember from Scream oh, really? 3. <laughs> That's what I... You don't remember? Here. You don't remember that song? I think that my... <laughs> 
appreciation for Creed begins and ends with hire. But, <laughs> may, you know, I, I kind of liked that. So I think I'm going to have to go back and listen to that. It featured a music video mm-hmm. of the band members getting killed by Ghostface. I also really re- yeah. I also vividly remember you know a classic TRL music video. Obviously. Well, then maybe we have to do an episode on that. Man, they made a music video for the Needle Drop. <laughs> Let's talk a bit about Red Right Hand, the original. Okay. If I think of perfect songs, this one honestly comes to mind. Whoa. It's so it it is it's so minimalistic, simple, yet it accomplishes a whole deal with with the sum of its part. Here, this is my my poor man's music analysis moment. Paolo's taking us to school. Don't follow me in school. You'll flunk the class. <laughs> but here we go. The first thing that comes to mind is the bass. Like, mm-hmm. we'll probably talk a good amount of how this song can be, quote, scary. We'll talk about this later on. But one thing that I found is that it's really rare to have a scary song that is up-tempo or, or even mid-tempo mm. as, as this one, but there usually are pretty slow and eerie songs. Yeah, I would say mid for this one. Yeah, yeah. but that groove, though, from that bass line, it's such an earworm. Yeah. And it's so unique to find something like this on, again, quote the scary song here. I just think it gives you like a really good sense of movement or a forward momentum, it's yeah. especially when you tie it to the lyrics, take a little walk to the edge of the town across the tracks. Yeah. That combination, those two things paint such a really vivid picture for me here. Definitely. Take a little walk to the edge of and go across the track. It's like... It's like it makes me move my body the way the same way when I walk. You know, that bass makes me move my body as if I I'm have walking. a little more swagger than my normal walk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. True, yes. <laughs> Another really good thing here, the organ. Mm-hmm. You hear those accents? Yeah. That's what stands out most to me in this song. Yeah, that's what stands out. Yeah. yeah. I mean mm-hmm. it, it it's really cool. Here, tell me if I'm crazy. I'm gonna play something. Yes. Okay, I know that one. It's psycho, but it kind of like, I don't know what to call it. I don't, I'm not music, but like pixicado type like accents. Like yeah. it, it feels like clang, clang. And here's something really cool that I found is the organ. It also helps that it has a syncopated rhythm, mm. which you can say that syncopation is a disturbance or interruption of the regular flow or rhythm. Okay. What a cool definition. (laughs) And this happens when accent notes are not played in a natural sort of accent beat of a rhythm. Okay, so not hitting the main Yeah, like the natural beats. Okay. So, for example, if I were to do one and a two and a three and a four, the ones, the two, the three, and a four. Those are are on the beat. The natural accents. Mm -hmm. But the organ doesn't fall in those. Here. One and a two and a three and four and one and a two yeah. and a three and a you see four that the organ falls on the on the end two, you know yeah. it's like a, it's like three, when you're and a four and so yeah i love that definition that i found a disturbance or interruption of regular flow or rhythm mm-hmm. isn't that what the red right hand guy does like, pretty much pretty cool yeah having said that my last poor man music analysis is my favorite thing about the whole song has to be the percussion. Oh, I thought you were going to say something else. Those tubular bells? Oh, yes, the bells. That's what I thought you were going to say. (laughs) The tubular bells just Uh add a jaw-dropping good layer to this song. It's cleverly used throughout the song to punctuate key moments, and especially regarding the red right hand lyric. Mm -hmm. It adds like this industrial texture to the song. Again, you combine those with the lyric and it just it just really puts you in a specific time and plays visually here. You got the bell, you got the timpanis there forming like almost like a storm, you know, which actually the lyrics include storm. Yeah. I mean, the bell to me is so church-like. It, it's like a judgment, you know? Another note about the bell. When we look at this needle drop in the movie, 
the bell toll lines up perfectly with Dewey slamming his car door. And it's just a really satisfying moment. Good work, editor. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Like, I see what you're doing. And that is what made me pay attention to the song. Otherwise, I would have assumed that it was score because we hadn't heard lyrics up until that point. Ah, yeah. True. It's such a unique song. Well, thank you for breaking down all the pieces of that song. I love when you do that. Around here are our music guy. And I'm our resident master of lyrics, if I do say so myself. You're a yin and yang. I always, even in such a amazing lyrical song like this one, I still went like, oh you my God, right to the, the, music. the music was it's going. And and yes, but drop the hammer on yeah. those lyrics. If we were the movie music and lyrics, you would be Hugh Grant <laughs> and I would be Drew Barrymore. I'm all for, hey, she's named Sophie on the... That's right. And that movie has an amazing original song, which we absolutely must do. On oh, the podcast. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, okay, back back to our topic. We talked a little bit about John Milton. Red Right Hand is an allusion to John Milton's poem. And clearly his writing must be a big influence for Nick Cave, so much so that Red Right Hand has appeared in another song of his, Song of Joy, as I mentioned earlier. And I just wanted to get into this a little bit because the lyrics are really cool. It's just awesome storytelling, which is, you know, what I love so much in lyrics. Uh, So it's from the album Murder Ballads. And as the title would suggest... All songs describe murders. This guy uh, know how to name thing, right? <laughs> well, I, I, like, someone uh, in the band is like really good, like ah, murder ballads. Shit, we got to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, murder ballads are actually a style of song. They were really, really popular. Yes, they were really popular in the beginning of the 1900s going into the 1930s, where people would sort of canonize local murders in song. So a lot of these songs on this album are traditional murder oh, ballads. Shit, I got some homework. Yeah, and some of them are original ballads like this one. So in Song of Joy, the lyrics are from the perspective of a man whose family has been murdered. And he very kindly explains the murder <laughs> to another man who he's talking to. He's sort of asking that man to take pity on him and invite him into his house so he can stay there. In talking about the m- murders, he explains that the man who killed his family wrote John Milton quotes on the wall's in blood. So here's what that sounds like. Quotes John Milton on the walls and the victim's blood. The In my house, he wrote his red right hand. Shit. Man, the vibes <laughs> this guy can do, it's insane. Yeah, so, <laughs> so this song is spooky, ooky, ooky. The last lyrics of the song are, and I'll read them to you. The sun to me is dark and silent as the moon. Do you, sir, have a room? Are you beckoning me in? Now, some sharp-eared listeners will notice the sun to me is dark and silent as the moon is another John Milton quote. It comes from a poem within Paradise Regained. So in this moment, we can discern that the narrator is the murderer who killed his family. And the man that he's talking to, if he doesn't catch that hint, he will likely be the next victim's. I wish I knew more John Milton, but luckily folks on the internet can help me out with that. But I just think that this is such a cool storytelling moment within a song. It's not spelling it out. It's for the the sharp-eared, eagle-eyed listeners. And I just, I know it's not red right hand, but it's just so cool. I had to bring it up. I am not a sharp-eared listener. (laughs) I could have easily listened to this song a decade and not even know what they were talking. No, I mean, it, it, it's a little hint. It's a little yeah. nudge and a wink. So you have to be in on the on the is joke, this, as it were. Is this song that you just play like, this sounds like if true crime was a song. Kind of, yeah, kind of. <laughs> no wonder you love this. You're so into <laughs> solving No, it's still, it's still sort of too spooky for me to listen to. <laughs> do you want to do some Bicky Blinders? I feel like we have to, it's like... We must. I'll just start. I haven't seen the show, so... Okay, I haven't I either, not... so I don't yeah. know if we can do this much justice. Uh, I know it's incredibly popular. It just finished this year. And when we were looking at YouTube comments, half of them were about Scream, half of them were about Peaky Blinders, and then like 0.001% were about Dumb and Dumber. Because <laughs> apparently this song's also in Dumb and Dumber. I did hear the covers they made for that show, and that right. was kind of cool. Here, here are some. Yeah, Arctic Monkeys. I actually like that cover. Yeah. Yeah, Fiddler was really good. Laura Marling? 
Harvey. What are your thoughts? I mean, the Arctic Monkeys one definitely sounded like Arctic Monkeys. I, I love all of them, except I think Laura Marling sounded like the trailerized version. Mm, I see what you Remember mean. Remember the slow and moody? Yeah. Versus Peter Harvey is slow and moody, but doesn't sound like the cliche trailerized version. Yeah, the one that interested me the most, or, or at least kind of piqued my interest, was the Fiddler version. Yeah, the Fiddler was pretty cool, too. Yeah, but I don't know if any of those are going to make it onto the playlist. You know what I mean? I have to say, though, I am glad we we're talking about Peaky Blinders because it is a way to sneak in David Bowie. Oh, really? <laughs> we always find a way. I found out that Cillian Murphy uh -huh. uh, gifted one of the hats he used to David Bowie because apparently he was a fan oh, wow. of the show. David Bowie said, if you ever want to use sort of any music, just like let me know. And this is when he was doing Black Star. Mm. So then in December, a month before he passed away, he's a state reached out being like, hey, uh, can we do something? And the creators of the Peaky Blinder said, like, they had, like, this sense of urgency. So we're like, yeah, sure, let's put that. And he gave them, like, some music from, from Blackstar. Oh, amazing. And then, yeah, and then a month later, he wow. passed away. Yeah, so that's ahead of the release. He must have been a very big fan. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. It's our David Bowie moment. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Sophie, you mentioned this is one of the most synced songs ever. The I needle even... has been dropped many a time. <laughs> yes. I even ran into an article by Variety called How Nick Cave's Red Right Hand Became a Music Supervisor's Favorite. I read the same article. So if you don't mind, I'm just going to list off only a few of the shows and movies that this has shown up in. Are you ready? By all means. Number one. X-Files. Yeah. It was in an episode of X-Files. And then Dumb and Dumber, as I, I mentioned the, quickly before. Which, which, by the way, apparently was an accident. It really? It was apparently left in the movie as a placeholder. It was clear maybe weeks before the release. Mm. Mick Harvest said this in an interview that they didn't know about the usage of the song in Dumb and Dumber. They <laughs> he said they would have probably have declined. Said no, uh, yeah, But yeah. it happened so fast that they weren't even made aware of yeah. so they just cleared it before so oh my god yeah, that's so funny accident. okay number another one box of moonlight and hellboy there's, yeah, a, there's a cover from pete yorn in hellboy he's a god he's a man he's a ghost he's a guru then we have cirque de freak the vampire's assistant my favorite yeah uh, the, <laughs> and then we have a trailer for Guillermo del Toro's Crimson Peak. He's used not it in the twice. movie. That's oh, yeah. right, because he was also Hellboy. That's right. Yes, Guillermo, that's right. Obviously, Guillermo del Toro loves this song, right? Like, yeah, no surprise there. Yeah, and it was also the main theme for an Australian show, Jack Irish. As we know, Nick Cave and the Black Seeds are Australian, so it makes sense that Australia is a big fan of this song because it was also in an Australian TV show called Wentworth. And in a tourism ad ah, for Sophie, Australia. That was my big surprise. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, the campaign is called Barossa Be Consumed. Ooh. Oh. Which is Barossa <laughs> is a southern region of Australia. Yeah, here are some of the images the song accompanies. Yeah. A woman depluming a chicken. Yep. Hanging frozen meat torsos. A voyeuristic shot of a man with a gun and a dead rabbit at night. <laughs> Lots of extreme close-up of people's eyes and mouth, yes, and wildfire burning at night. Yeah, odd choices, I would have to say, for a tourism video. Well, there were some lovely shots of different cheeses as well. Um, yes, I, so that I, was, I paid attention I to. I focus on the odd <laughs> ones for comedic purposes. Yeah. But yeah, um, but yeah it, it didn't make me immediately think, oh, I want to go there. I mean, what do we know? <laughs> the commercial is a classic of Australian tourism. It won a grand prize at the Cannes Festival for Best Tourism Ad. So what the hell do we know, apparently? Yeah. they Okay, and I saw that they were originally just going to use it for 12 months, and then they extended it another two years because the ad was so popular. It's so funny we went so deep on this who the <laughs> fuck cares rabbit hole? But I want to see how deep you went because I actually found a blog of someone who visited Barossa. <laughs> <gasps> That's amazing. I did not go that far. They saw the commercial and they were like, let me visit this place based <laughs> on that. Hint, great reviews. Apparently, really good cheese. Yeah, that cheese caught my eye. Olives. Oh, yeah. Meats and wines. Yeah. 
consume. What is it? Consume me? Be consumed. Be consumed. Yeah. <laughs> this person had a great time, said that they would return. So I don't know. Sophie, is that our next trip? Should we go to Port Rosa? I think so. We consume? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, by the way, it's never going to happen. When I was a kid, I vowed to never set foot in Australia because of this book that showed me where all the dangerous animals in the world live. So no, it's never going <laughs> to They're all in Australia. Yeah, it's, it's not. But, <laughs> you know, the cheese and olives, meats and wines, sounds like a great deal. I Luckily, I don't think you have to go all the way to Australia to enjoy those things. <laughs> I mentioned something before. About this song being scary. Yes. And this being our Halloween episode got me thinking, have you been scared by a song? Oh, yeah. Big time. Oh, wait. Great. Because if so, (laughs) what are some of those songs? (laughs) Well, my immediate thought is all these songs are ones that I heard as a child and was scared by and they stuck with me. And I have two. One of them you've probably heard before. Another one you're probably going to be pretty confused by. So my first one is God, that chord progression is. That is the prologue to Phantom of the Opera, and that scared me shitless as a kid. And even now, it still gives me an icky feeling hearing it. This made me think of, there was one musical that scared the shit out of me as a kid. I'm telling you, spooked. Like, change the channel. I could not get through this commercial. Uh, the commercial the, for Cats. The second you said commercial, I knew it. Oh, my God. It was so... Cats. <laughs> the number one family musical in America. <laughs> the number oh one my family God. musical. Scares the shit out of Paolo. <laughs> uh, so, I guess, wow, we have two Andrew Lloyd Webber picks in here. <laughs> Sorry, it, Andrew. It was the imagery. Like, those, like, grown-ups dressed in cats, like, reaching out to the dark. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Yep. Do you have one before I do my second one? Yes. So, I, the same. I I have a couple one that were, like, as a kid. Yeah. Here's one that scared me as a kid. Is this the real life? Really? Is this just fantasy? Yes, Bohemian Rhapsody. But you're such a Wayne's World fan. I thought you'd love it. But I loved it. That's a thing. That's a cool thing about when you're a kid that you can be scared and attracted to something at the same time. Oh, yeah. It's it's part of the the fun. Part of the the fun. Like, the, I mean, horror genres or movies. That's what they did. They were like, I got scared shitless. Yeah. Let's go again. It's like a roller coaster. Oh, let's go again, even though I was screaming the whole time. But yeah, something about Bohemian Rhapsody, again, I was really, really young. But just like the combination of their voices and also the music video, like it's all dark and they look, you know, when their faces are profiling the dark. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it just scared me a little bit. Okay. And then I, (laughs) I have another one that scared me. Okay. Here. Again, I adore and love this song. Yeah. But this is something, again, when I'm when you're a kid and you're still figuring out the world and you come across closer <laughs> by Nine Inch Nails, you're like, am I doing something wrong? Is yeah. this bad music? Am I being a bad person? I have to say, you know this story, but for our listeners, we just had an Amsterdam trip and we went to this <laughs> lovely karaoke bar, which so was much amazing. Fun. The Duke of Tokyo was the name. Yes. Amazing. It was decorated inside like Blade Runner. One of my favorite (laughs) bars ever. We did karaoke and I picked this song and it was one of those private karaoke's. And here I am singing closer. This moment comes, the moment I just played. Here are the lyrics. That's the lyrics. Yep. In comes the bartender. Right when I have to sing this, she comes with the drinks. And I'm like, ah, hold it, <laughs> hold it. I think it was someone in our, in our group. I think it was Mike. We're like, sing it, sing it. Or no, Jonathan. I was like, yeah. sing it. Yeah. Don't be a coward. No. You picked it. <laughs> what else do you have, Soph? All right. Story time. I have a story too. <laughs> story time with Soph? Yeah. My dad bought a compilation of Christmas music from Costco in, like, 1992, probably. Barely Costco shopper. Oh, big time. Big time. 
On his Costco card, it says like member since oh, 86 yeah. or something. Yeah. LG founding member. <laughs> yeah, I wish. And now that CD in particular, Haunts to me, your dreams. <laughs> no, it's the sound of Christmas. Those oh, okay. versions of those songs that have been played every Christmas for my entire life, like that is Christmas morning. Part of the Christmas tradition was being terrified every time this <laughs> song would come on. <laughs> yeah, this is scary as shit. Well, take your little drum, Robin, bring your five and Are they sacrificing someone in this song? They might be. So that is Bing Crosby singing Patapan slash while shepherds watched their flock by night. Even the fucking name is creepy. Yeah. Patapan, the Pat shepherds flock yeah. by night. <laughs> it's just... Sacrifice thy child yeah. on the Christmas <laughs> Eve. That, who's this Italian man? <laughs> That's Italian. <laughs> yeah. uh, just ominous and spooky. And I did not like it. My mom would have to like run to the other room to skip it because the, the receiver was in the other room. <laughs> and ironically... Uh, Bing Crosby sings one of my favorite Christmas songs, uh, Peace on Earth, the duet with David Bowie. David Bowie. I found a way to bring him up, too. I'm glad we we're both have our priorities straight. <laughs> <Yeah>. out of... <laughs> anyway, those are my two childhood I, I love, horrors. What I love about this pick is that we talked about this in some recent podcast episode. I don't remember, but like a good Christmas always has some dash of darkness. Oh, it. absolutely. And, and that's what it is. It's funny you say that because another pick that I have, and this is... All including all ages. It still scares the shit out of me. Okay. Ave Satani. Oh, The well. song from The Omen by Jerry Goldsmith. Of course. Which, by the way, I am including as a song because it was nominated for Best Original Songs by, in the Oscars. If it's good enough for the Academy, it's good enough for me. Exactly. Although it kind of really is like a score, but here's the song. True. Just religious voices just... or choirs or chants whatever yeah it just scares the shit out of me of course i mean so unsettling. but that's like trying to i think bing crosby was trying to sing a nice song probably related yeah. to christmas and i was just terrified yeah they're trying really hard to scare the shit out of you yeah okay so i do have two more just because the exercise i wanted to find stuff from not when i was a kid okay. that scares me this was as a teenager and it comes by the hand of pink floyd the song said the controls for the heart of the sun is it the whispers again i'm still trying to figure out the world and is this like am i gonna like get into drugs now and <laughs> kind of stuff like oh Paolo, it's just like you're something. such a pure little heart oh, oh yeah yeah, yeah but Having said that, I love all these songs. These songs, I love all of them. Yeah. But it's that initial scare that attracts me and keeps me going back. Mm -hmm. I did find, this was hard, but I did find one as an adult that scared me. Oh. Are you going to be okay? Yes, I am okay now. But okay. in 2020, this scared the shit out of me. Mm -hmm. By an artist that I've talked a lot in the podcast, Danny Elfman. He released an album. Mm -hmm. And it had a song, Happy. And I'll explain what it scared me here. I'm so Is crumbling. So he released this in the pandemic during shutdown. Mm -hmm. And he, I was following on Instagram and he basically channeled all that energy into this album. And it's so dark when you don't know what's going on in the world. Like what is, what are the next six months going to look like? And hearing like everything is crumbling. I was just like, I cannot listen to it. I, I put that album away. I actually, yeah, I was scared. I was like unsettling, like what the shit? Yeah. Happy Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> this is fun, man. I could I could just do a whole podcast of like scary songs. But yeah. all right, let's take a quick break. But when we come back, it's time for Ansible questions. And yes, we have Needle Drop exclusive new questions for Ansible questions. We cannot wait. We hope you're enjoying this special Patreon exclusive Needle Drop episode. We put this one on the main feed to share a little sneak peek at what we're making for our Patreons. Our patrons of the Patreon! <laughs> if you like the podcast and you want to help us keep the lights on around here, 
The absolute number one way to do that is by supporting us on Patreon. And we offer a ton of perks to show our appreciation. We have a Discord community where you can chat with us about all things music and movies. We're uploading exclusive and behind the scenes content. And we're getting our listeners involved with the podcast. You can even pick a song for us to cover and contribute questions to our answerable questions segment. Keep listening to hear our first Patreon submitted question right here in this episode. So yeah, head over to patreon.com slash the song will go on and check us out. Now back to the episode. Ooh, our new answerable questions. Like Sophie said, we got some new ones here. Revamped. Yeah. But let's begin with some classics. Seven seconds in heaven. What seven seconds from the song gives you goosebumps? Can I start first? You can. Can I ask you, do you know what my seven seconds are? I don't. The first seven seconds? Yes, Yeah. of course. Okay. That's the classic Paolo move. It's just like the introduction. It's like a rush of sound going through. You're like, oh my God, so many tones, so many vibes. We mentioned the bells, but also there's this crackling sound that I yeah. love, which I don't know if it's someone rustling with papers or something or lighting I a cigar or fire. I thought of it as, well, they say take a little walk. I think of it as like gravel, like someone walking over gravel. Oh shit. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. I thought- Hear it again. This this song gives you such vivid pictures in your head that I thought wind blowing and mm. and like like paper or trash is flowing in the air, kind of like thing. Mm. What can you ask more for your seven seconds? It's amazing. <laughs> what do you got, Sophie? Well, I have a bone to pick with you because you played it at the top of this podcast. Oh shit! Yeah, <laughs> play it. Play it again. Gather in the storm comes a tall, handsome man in a dusty black coat with a red right hand. Ah, uh, yeah. That's the first time we hear red right hand. We're building to it. Crescendo, yeah. Yeah. He has a crescendo, red right. And he's. And the, the delivery is like, yeah. So good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oof. And then you get that bell, like, exactly. wake up. Well, here's one we're going to have fun with. Favorite lyric. Each host sheds light on their favorite lyric. And oh my God, do we have so much to pick? <laughs> finally, you're excited about the lyric yes, section. Finally, right? <laughs> I, I, I feel like we have done a disservice to the lyrics of, of this song, but hopefully in this segment we can praise it because it is really good. Yeah, there's so much to choose from here. What do you got, Sophie? Oh, I went back and forth so many times and there was one that I thought you might pick. So I have prepared two just in case. What do you think? I have picked and I'm curious. Let's play this game. Okay. This is, was the line that immediately jumped out to me when reading the lyrics. So this I is what you, you, th you think I picked. Yes. Okay. Because I was tempted to pick it as well. Okay. You're one microscopic cog in his catastrophic plan. <laughs> Designed and directed by his red right hand. Those are the last lyrics. Yes, that's my pick. You're a microscopic <laughs> cog. In his catastrophic plan. Oh, like, yeah. what a mic drop. What a way to make you feel insignificant. Yeah. And then decided and directed by his red right hand. And it's <sighs> the last lyric of the song. So you picked the, yeah. the beginning That's and impressive. the end of you the lyrics. Oh. <laughs> uh, so I prepared another one. He'll rekindle all the dreams it took you a lifetime to destroy. Ah. Good one, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's so much more here to pick. If I have to pick something else, or at least stuff that I want to point out, but... Honorable mention. The the whole song is just a story. It feels like it has, like, act one, act two, act three. Like, every time he talks about the guy with the red right hand, it builds up until the end where you're like, this is a reveal. You're screwed. But I love the wordplay he does every time he says, he's a god, he's a man. He's a ghost. He's a guru. Mm -hmm. And on the other verses, he does like this sort of like quick play, like past the square, past the bridge, past the mills, past the stacks. You know, he he continues with this theme. Yeah. Verse three, through the ghettos, through the barrier and the barry and the slums. Like I love. Yeah, the rhythm of it. Again, just the amount of storytelling he does with so little words, to be honest. Yeah. Hall of Fame moment. Who? Or what 
at their best moment pop culture with a movie song. It can be anything, a person, a studio, a film, or a music genre. Sophie, do you have any? I had to go Hall of Fame moment for John Milton references in pop culture. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I wish I knew more John Milton so I could come up no. with a few other examples. <laughs> but right now, Nick Cave has got it. That's the thing. It's like, I always feel like I can, I can talk good about, for example, music or movies, but any other art subject, I'm like, I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I'm sorry. I don't read or do anything clever. <laughs> I just watch <laughs> Don't sell yourself short. Uh, I thought about, here are some nominees that got rejected by me, but still worth mentioning. I thought, is this a needle drop in horror films? Honestly, Hall of Fame? Just because what needle drop can you say has been part of a franchise like that? I, I was like, no, American Psycho, hip to be square. He uh, always, like, okay. I don't know if that's Hall of Fame, but it's one of my personal favorites, all needle drops. I love that. Mm -hmm. This was, I think, was going to be a no-brainer. A Hall of Fame for use of tubular bells? But I was like, no, neither. I saw because my Altfield's tubular bells, that's the one. You know this, so. So that is actually a needle drop. Is it? People think it's a original. I it was score. No. People think it's like the theme of The Exorcist, but yeah. that's a needle drop. No, that's a ex experimental piece that Mike Oldfield made when he was 19. Wow. And yeah. it was used as a needle drop, and then it, it came synonymous with The Exorcist. And talk about also music that scared the shit out of me. Oh, this is yeah. one. Oh, yeah. Here's my actual Hall of Fame pick. Okay. Miss Opportunity for a Music Video. The music mm -hmm. video for Red Right Hand is not great. Very disappointing. It's very 90s. It's like a song that has so much potential. Ugh, missed opportunity. Sorry, but not, not for me. The music video. Mm. Just At least work. it's black and white. It's just black and white and like images of like kids sleeping. And <laughs> like Nick Cave looks cool because he looks cool every time. But let's, let's just call like, the, Baro the Barossa... Tourism yes, ad, the unofficial. The <laughs> Honestly, that's the unofficial music video. <laughs> yeah. Our first needle drop exclusive answerable question. Drop in. Pick another song that you will use as a needle drop in this movie scene. I feel like I chose something that had some similarities with Red Right Hand, so it's not the most inspired pick, I have to admit. But I chose The End by The Doors. This is the end. Beautiful friend. Ooh, that's a great choice. Thank you. I mean, that's a, that's a magnificent song. It is, It yeah. goes well with anything, but I'm with you, yeah. Yeah. Oh, especially the end part. You can tie it in with sort of like... Thematically, it you're works. All, you're all gonna like absolutely die. This is your end. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. It also is a little bit simplistic in the way that Red Right Hand is. It could Western skew Western yeah. vibes. Yeah. So, um, but it is a little bit less um, aggressive than Red Right Hand, I think. I have one choice, but I wanted to do two honorable mentions that I really, really were almost. Sorry. Fine, I'll allow it. You're, yeah, you're, you're, I'm cheating, but <laughs> a song called Neverland from the band The Sisters of Mercy. Oh. Again, slow and moody, see, yep. like a lot of... But yeah, I love the... Yeah, that would definitely belong in the Scream franchise. Yeah. Here's another one, which if I can do a double feature of Red Right Hand, to me, this is like the companion song. Oh. I love it as much as I do Red Right Hand. I, It's also in my top 10 songs of all time, probably. It's Baby Did a Bad, Bad Thing <laughs> by Chris Isaac. Baby Did a Bad, Bad Thing. Just has the same sort of Baby like... Did a bad, bad thing. You know? We're absolutely going to cover this in a, in a podcast episode, by the way. This is, it's coming close, but it doesn't quite fit thematically. So that was like, nah, I can't beat this one. This is my official <laughs> Okay, pick. okay, we made it. My official pick, I made it. Cycle Killer by Talking Heads. Ah. Run, 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 run. That's what you want your character to do. Yeah. So I also thought Scream needed some some energy, some youth energy, yeah. you know? So that's what I love A little levity, about, even though yeah, it's yeah, dark. Yeah, that's what I love yeah. about, like, Psycho Killer Talking Heads. I hear. Uh, yeah, I can see it. I definitely see it. I love it. I love yeah. Remix 2.0. This is such a fun <laughs> category. 
Another needle drop exclusive. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> we look at <laughs> one fresh and one rotten review on Rotten Tomatoes and we pick a sigh. Sophie, what do you have? So here's our fresh one. It comes from Newsweek. No one will ever consider Wes Craven's scream Oscar fodder, but this funny and scary little experiment in terror from the man who invented Nightmare on Elm Street puts some fun back into a very tired genre. Okay, I have, okay. I have thoughts already, but okay. let's go. Okay, and our rotten review comes from Chicago Reader. The assumption that there's something inherently clever about a slasher movie making reference to both its genre and the filmmaking process is a fundamental flaw of this tiresome, blood-filled comedy. I think that review took the references a little too far. It's, I take it as just sort of revamping the genre. It's certainly not a comedy. Boy, is that take H bad. Um, <laughs> so here's the thing. Obviously, we both love the film, so we're going to pick yeah. tomato, not tomato. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I also don't agree with the great review, the one from Newsweek, because... Scary little experiment, like little, also not being Oscar worthy. Like, I do think these kinds of films should be Oscar worthy. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, you know how hard it is to make this film, make a film that invents something new in a genre. Also, a very clever whodunit, great directed, the tone, everything, that balancing, like, it's fucking harder than making Green Book. The thing about the first Scream is it's genuinely scary. Yes. And also it has those comedy moments. I wouldn't go far as to call it a comedy, but it manages to do so much in its runtime. Like I I would we both are obviously big fans of this movie. Yeah. So, so I I think it's more than a maybe at the time it was a little experiment like oh haha ha, this movie this is a horror movie referencing horror movies and now it's a titan of the genre. I don't pick the tomato. I want the the tomato plum, whatever. The, the, the very good tomato a vine, tomato vine. Okay. Um, <laughs> not fresh enough for you. Not fresh enough for okay, me. Okay, I got it. <laughs> Another needle drop exclusive. Guess that tagline. Yes, we take a quick guess on the movie's tagline. We wrote it before we know the real one. Feel free to play along. Also, you can feel free to wait. But what do you have? So, my initial thought: the classic line of the movie. Do you like scary movies? But then I thought that only really makes sense if you've seen the movie and taglines are sort of a promotional tool. So it's probably something spooky like don't answer the phone. But my tagline for Scream 2 onward would be they've got to stop selling this voice changer. Okay. All right. <laughs> it should be discontinued, you know? like Yeah. Like it's just in poor taste if you keep selling it. You know, it's just like the lobbying from the voice changer company is too hard. They yeah. can't get it. They can't get voice changing bad. You know, <laughs> this is what I have. Drew Barrymore is absolutely the star of this film and doesn't get killed the first 20 minutes. <laughs> no, that probably wasn't it. What about this killer has seen too many scary movies and he can't wait to call you and tell you about it. Okay, maybe. <laughs> I, I kind of don't think so, but maybe. <laughs> All right, here's official timeline. Yeah, you were closer. One. Really? You were closer, yeah. Don't answer the door. Don't leave the house. Don't answer the phone. But most of all, don't scream. I don't think that that is very accurate to the, <laughs> to the movie. I don't know. Wait, I you're, like not, it. you're not allowed to scream? There are a lot of instructions in that, <laughs> in that tagline. Let's move on to another new question. And this is not a needle drop exclusive, but it's new here. We're premiering it in our needle drops. <laughs> is this a car song? <laughs> no one can define it, but everyone knows when they hear it. Is this a song to listen to in the car? So car songs are a very special. They are breed a very big song. part of my life. Yes. yes. Yeah. Gut reaction, because that's all you can go off of when you're defining a car song. No, this is not a car song. Uh, disagree, but sure. Let's go. I think that this song is a little too long for my taste. And I'm pres pressing skip after the first organ solo. So, no. So here's the thing. I think it is a car song. Hmm, okay. But this is a solo car song. It's not going to bring the party. No, no. This isn't something I would play with other people okay. in the car. This is a solo listen. And it's something I would listen to when I'm like, I need some cockiness to me. Like, ah, I need some confidence. Like, okay. maybe I'm going to work and I have this, you know, like, I want to feel like I'm the guy with the red right hand, you know? Ooh, okay. 
And yes, like th this gives me swag. Got it. Okay. I can see that. Also, absolutely night drive. Listening to it while driving at night. Driving to work at night. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. This is like another <laughs> version of like okay. listening to it where you're driving at night. Uh-huh. And sometimes you just want a on song. A, on a dirt road. Yeah. In the middle of Georgia. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Fuck yeah. Next time I'm there, I'm turning this That's on. That's the tourism ad for Georgia right there. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Here we are. Our Patreon submitted question. Yes, we asked our Patreon supporters to submit a question. For us to answer unanswerable questions. By the way, Sophie, I love this. This is such a great idea. I love connecting with our Patreon supporters and also the things that we receive received. This was submitted by Melly G. What Disney villain would this be a theme song for? Oh. I think there's an obvious pick, and I think that's what you have. Okay. Well then you you answer first. I went with Scar oh. from Lion King. Okay. Because I talked about that baseline having that sort of like groove and walking. And Scar has like a walk, you know? That sort a of hip like movement. Yeah, yeah, I think the baseline goes with his hip movement. He also hangs out in like another part of the town across the tracks You're or right. something. Okay. Like he's like, you know, so like in the elephant graveyard. So exactly. So like the elephant graveyard is like the part of the town. And there's a lot of interpretations to Red Right Hand. Mine is sort of like a demonic type of devil but there's also the sort of like sly trickery guy who tricks you into stuff okay that's what he does with simba you know okay. kind of like i i i support this so so that's my pick. that's not what i picked is that what you thought i picked no 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 you i, th I think you picked the, the obvious one what's the obvious one from hercules hades oh no no hades is a comedian this this wouldn't work with that all right good because i i agree that's what i didn't yeah. think uh, didn't. i chose what i thought was the obvious one <laughs> uh which and again you went off music for the most part i went off lyrics i chose frollo from hunchback of notre dame because of course, yes. he's a judge he's all about judgment he's a and guy he, he's a guru he's a yeah yeah so he thinks he's the top dog and he's passing judgment on everybody else and he is in my opinion the villainiest villain of all the disney he's villains dark. He is yes dark. very he is dark. dark so i went i went with frollo yeah he, he makes scar look like a good hang to yeah be <laughs> youtube comments we looked at youtube comments to see what people were saying about the song and this is what we found out. So what do you got for us? Okay, here's what YouTube has to say on the music video. I made my cat listen to this song and now it's smoking cigarettes and calling family <laughs> meetings. Honestly, yes. Yeah. Yes. I feel like that's probably a Peaky Blinders reference. Uh, I wouldn't know. You can tell us <laughs> if that's true. Uh, but man. Love the imagery there. One of one of the other questions we got on Patreon submitted was like, if this was a food, what would it, if this song was a food, what would it be? Oh. And I was like, a whiskey. Like I don't know Absolutely. if that classifies as food, but yeah, a whiskey. Well, I am glad you brought that up because my next comment is, my water turned into whiskey after listening to this <laughs> song. He's a god. Yeah. He's a guru. He mm. turns water into whiskey. Yeah. Okay, this one sets a whole scene. Are you ready? feel so natural while I had my night strolls into the heart of the city, passing by dimming lights and shady corners while being bombarded by a gentle shower and murky mist, whilst smoking my cigar and listening to this song. Three exclamation points. Did this really happen with someone walking through the streets with a cigar? So, like, wow, what's your life like? Here's the thing. I don't want to do any of those things. Yet I'm jealous of this comment. I, I understand what you mean. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I don't want a cigar. I don't want to walk through Shady Park, but I'm jealous of not having that experience. Yeah, it was a whole mood for yes. sure. Yeah. Okay, here's our last one. I once saw Nick Cave in Camden. I wanted to fawn over him like a love-struck schoolgirl, but I am English and genetically incapable. I gave him a slight nod. He nodded back. Highlight of my life. That's how you try to, like, 
if you really want to like i guess seduce nick cave like you have to be like <laughs> a nod or something yeah a knowing nod yeah yeah i think she played it really well absolutely <laughs> i just thought that was really funny saying i'm genetically incapable of fawning over him <laughs> <laughs> He's he's a cool guy, by the way. That, I believe the it. The whole yeah. band, like if you see YouTube performances, they have such swag. Even the fucking percussionist with the bells, he's like, I don't want to be the drummer. I want to be the guy ringing the bell. He makes yeah. it look so cool. Mm -hmm. One thing I I found that did not make the pot. Nick Cave is a fascinating character. He has a blog called Red Hand Files. Oh, he's really re leaning into this song. <laughs> it, yeah, it's a, it's a great song. Yeah. But the blog is fascinating. He answers fans submit questions and then he answers them. He answers everything to like, what is the meaning of life? To who's your favorite on Love Island? Oh, I have opinions on that. And every time he gives a very deep answer, Stephen Lloyd Island, he's rooting for Luca. They know his parents somehow connected and he's rooting for Luca. So really? I'm not rooting for Luca. Okay, well now Nick Cave and I are in a fight. Well, he is, but. <laughs> so this was such a fun needle drop. I'm so glad we picked this song. I hope you guys had as much fun as we did making this, listening to us. Thank you to everyone who's listened to the pod. We won't stop saying this, but we are just so thankful for the reception we've received with this podcast. We're so happy you guys are enjoying it. If you want to keep in touch with us, there's so many ways you can do that. Socials, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, at the sun we go on. We're having so much fun there connecting with other podcast creators, fans, just keeping the conversation going, planning everything. Don't miss out. Reach out to us on our socials. And if you like what you hear, we're at Patreon at The Song Will Go On. We'd love to have you there. Check out some of our awesome exclusive perks like this episode here, which you just got a sneak peek of. And also you can participate, submit the questions. You can even pick a song. We are really throwing the kitchen sink there, our Patreon. That's the place to be if you really want to help us keep the podcast <laughs> going on. But again, from Sophie and Paolo, thank you so much for listening in to the next one. Bye. The Song Will Go On is written, researched, and produced by Sophie Matano and Paolo Garcini. Theme music is composed by William Russell. Consulting producers are JP Lee and Jonathan Fisher. Recording, editing, and mixing by Sophie Matano and Paolo Garcini. The Song Will Go On is a Gigawatts podcast. You can find Gigawatts on YouTube and on Instagram at gigawatts underscore YouTube. 